Welcome to For What It's Worth, an introduction, immersion into, and sometimes expedition outside of the furry fandom. Today, we are pleased to bring you a different kind of episode. Thanks to the invitation and generosity of the Bay Area Brony Spectacular, the show was invited to attend San Francisco's first major My Little Pony convention. Our goal? To see how the furry fandom's conventions compare to the pony fandom's conventions. The results were very surprising! Before we kick off, we want to give special thanks to the Babscon staff, Heiku Pamfer, No Whacking, Ayo Monte, the Shirtclaw Pones, the Further Confusion staff, and the generous fans who let us photograph, talk to, and interview them as we went on our expedition. Since this was an experiment for us, we decided to share the experiment with you. We present today's show without narration, and instead use on-site audio we captured over the weekend. As always, write us and share your thoughts. So, yeah, I'm Jake the Army Guy from Bob Equestria, but you don't care about me, you care about these incredibly talented people we have back here. Uh, and mind your fire exits before we start. Yeah. There's one there. This, is, one this there. one's ours. <laughs> Andrea Lippman! I don't know why I'm making that. I apologize. I knew that. Ashley Ball, Kathy Westlock, Nicole Oliver, Peter New, Brian Drummond. We'll start with your name and your furry persona. And if you have a pony persona, tell us about your pony persona as well. Real name? Uh, I go by Brown Wolf. Uh, pretty much a, it's the same name here as elsewhere, but I do have an OC, which I call Sharp Pencil. But because uh, Brown Wolf got stuck, I recently was going to a uh, Brody convention with the, with the OC named Sharp Pencil, but then I figured, well, if Dusty Cat and Black Griffin can keep their names, why can't I? Yeah, yeah. Dusty Cat's name is a little lazy. Um, <laughs> true, true, true that. So, can you uh, uh, contrast and compare uh, the, bro the the pony con here versus a furry con? Like, what's what's different and what's what's the same? Um, there's a lot less touching. Uh, it's like bronies know what sex harassment is. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's more emphasis on crafts than just uh, 2D illustration. There's more emphasis on music than on costuming. Um, there's more, um, what is it? Cosplays? No, cos cosplays is more like a more humanized version of ponies instead of the full fursuits. Yeah, that's a major difference. Uh, how, how are the two things the same? Uh, they like to party. There's emphasis on arts. Uh, they both like uh, animals with human characteristics. And uh, this is the most important question, although I, I, looking at you, I might be able to gather the answer. But um, who is the best pony? Rainbow Dash. Shocking. We're in the lobby, the atrium, I think, of this beautiful hotel. And we've just gone through, what, our first four hours? Yeah. Four hours? Have we only been here four hours? Yeah, it's a little bit. Well, six, five hours. So we... We're here after our first five hours, and we Rue couldn't come, so we have our guy you know as, as our sound tech, 
he's going to be sharing his impressions. So what were your impressions? What have you done so far? Uh, well, basically, just going around, of course, when you get to a hotel, the first thing you want to do is, you know, look at your room, make sure that's kosher, get checked in. Were there any panties in your room? No, I did not find any panties or condoms or hairs or... Hotel is fantastic. I'm um, actually got a, a, a top-level room overlooking a the atrium, which is an indoor atrium uh, with a little private balcony, which is really cool, so you can look down and see everything. I uh, went to our first panel with Jesse Nowick, um, also known as Nowicking in the fandom, does a voice of Vinyl Scratch and a couple other things. Um, of course, not only for MLP, but of course for, uh, was it Rise of, was it The Fall of Titan? Attack on Titan. Pokemon Bridged. Uh, a couple other things. A couple other things, and that was really nice. Got to say hi and hang out with her for a couple minutes afterward. Which, but compared to a furry con, it's I would say it's almost identical, except for the fact that you know there's one or two fur suits, uh, one or two actual pony suits, or whatever I guess people want to call those. I guess they are typically so fursuit because it is anthropomorphized and uh, went into the dealer's den and of course nothing but pony stuff so if you've ever been to a fur con and you're disappointed that there's only one or two tables that do pony stuff yeah come here it's nothing but pony stuff give us a quick rundown of like the top five things you've seen category wise in the dealer's room top five things i want to say are the ginormous pony plushies i would definitely want one of those uh, we love fine booth T-shirts, backpacks, things of that nature. Uh, the little vinyl scratch, uh, standalone statue, which is really cool. Um, and then it's pretty much a tie between everything else. with posters, uh, pins, bookmarks, you know, paper art. Um, pretty much the same thing that you would find at a fur con, except all uh, uh, my little pony related. And of course, is there any fanboy funk, or is it actually controlled? From what I've seen so far, it seems to be pretty well controlled. Um, our first panel, we're in a giant room, kind of hunkered down in the middle of uh, uh, you know, quite a few people, and uh, didn't really seem to have any issues with that. Um, haven't run into that so far, but it is still just a Friday, so I'll uh, give you an update on Sunday. No, you'll give us an update tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to go try the bar. Yeah, you had to ask questions. 
stuff. So, does anyone have it? Hello. I've already tried this before so far. Who is? Who is? Who is? Who is? Who is? First, we can just start, start off with uh, what your name is, or if you have a, a pony sona, or whatever the term is. Forgive me. Um, if you have that, you can describe that and tell me about that. Uh, well, it's just Brandon. I don't have a, much of a pony name. So I'm just here attending first convention, really. Very first convention? Yes. Cool. Um, have you heard of the furry fandom at all? I have. And honestly, I've been a little weird out about it. I've heard there's two fandoms, pony and furry. They're not. They're not too different, I understand, but honestly, I I just prefer to stay in one place, you know? Um, so what is it about the uh, the brony community that, or the pony community, forgive me if I'm using the wrong terms, but uh, what about the, the pony convention or the pony con that uh, drove you, like, brought you here, and what's some of the stuff you like? You know, honestly, it was just, ever since I started with the fandom, I kind of wanted to go to a convention, I want to see what it's all about, because I hear all these great things, there's... A lot of voice talent going on in these conventions, a lot of great people that are coming, and just uh, overall I'd be surrounded with people such as myself. And I, I kind of wanted to have that experience, and the past several months I kind of felt my interest in the fandom, and I, I saw a lot of my friends just not caring about the show anymore, and I was like, I 
I should probably hit up a convention. If it goes well, great. Maybe I'll get back and feel a lot more into what I've been enjoying for the past several years. And if not, well, at least I attended my convention. So, so uh, since this is your first con, um, has it met your expectations? It has actually exceeded them. I, I'm kind of feeling a lot more into what I what I enjoy. I feel a lot more confident about it. And I, it's been a, a great pleasure, and I kind of expect to go to more now. Um, one last question: uh, Who's the best pony? You ask the difficult questions. Now, my favorite for a long time running has been Twilight Sparkle, but Rainbow Dash. Actually, Rarity is growing on me. Rainbow Dash was my previous. Very cool. Thank you very much. Tell me what you're doing here. Observing the furry I don't actually know, which is fascinating. Um, there's a gentleman with a camo grass sniper outfit, or whatever you want to call it, and a horse head. He may be hunting the elusive female brownie. Just kidding. There's actually a fantastic ratio of males to females in this fandom compared to, let's say, the furry fandom where I think I met a girl once. Um, what other first impressions? Um, there's there's interesting stuff. Like there's a uh, what appears to be like a 24-hour like brony like DJ channel, which is really cool. I can't think of anything in the fandom like that or in the our, in the furry fandom like that anyway. Um, a lot of the very, a lot of the same thing redid over and over again in the in the uh, dealers room. You know, same kind of unlicensed plushy of character number X. I thought they had licensed stuff in there. I, they did, but they, they had like about thirty-seven different kinds of like Pinkie Pie plushies that ninety-seven percent of them weren't licensed. That's um, fascinating. There's a lot of creative stuff in there too, like uh, laser-etched LED cups that look really cool to the point where. I'm not really interested in the pony fandom at all, but they were still damn neat. You know, I, I could totally pick up one because they were kind of cool. And there's a, a lot of creativity here um, and that sort of thing, you know. Um, it's definitely taking a, a kind of established intellectual property and running with it, kind of making it your own thing. And I haven't, can't really say I've seen Star Trek conventions with the same level of creativity as I've seen here, though. How many Star Trek conventions have you gone to? I am not going to answer that question. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, Star Trek conventions don't really exist anymore. Um, well, yeah, they do. Not, not really, not really. 
there's like a huge, was, I don't know if it still exists, but I know there was a huge premium Star Trek convention that happened in Vegas every year, and that thing was like $500 for registration and this ridiculousness. Um, but there's, but there used to be Star Trek conventions everywhere, all over the country, you know, hundreds of times a year, and now there's not that many. Uh, the horse in the sniper grass camo is now dancing-ish. I thought he was posing. Is that what that was? I think that so. was a terrible pose. It looked like he was dancing. Um, He's eating his hand. There's um. Look, look, see. He keeps eating his hand. I, I've, I've, I've determined by looking at the number of people dressed up as not the, the main. The main. There's six of them. The main six. That DJ Pond three is probably one of the more popular ponies because I see lots of people dressing up as her, and that's interesting. But for a background character, you know, that's actually kind of interesting. I mean, the, the character does look cool, so... I think everyone should dress up as greased-up deaf guy. <laughs> yeah. Greased-up deaf, deaf-full. Hey, guys, where's that? That's interesting. So, so we've got someone with some uh, lace and... Um, it's actually a pony candy cane. Um, but vinyl scratch-based. Yeah, that's really cool. What about the other guy? I have no idea. I don't, but he's pretty tattooed up. The the one, the, the girl is dressed up in like a candy girl kind of style attached with, yeah, the, the vinyl scratches, the actual character's name. Interesting. Um, a lot of gothic Lolita running around combined with stuff, which I guess might just be the style that all the nerds do now. Uh, is that in vogue again? Gothic Lolita, maybe. What about the kids? You think it's weird that there's like I would I would have expected almost no kids. I think there's a, an interesting line in that the, I bet the, like the four year olds running around are probably here because of the parents, but I think like probably like the tweens, like the seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve year olds, might be here because they asked their parents. That's a little bit more of a gray area. Like it's not weird. It makes sense. It's kind of depressing that there's not a larger kid contingent here, but. Um, because, well, obviously the fandom was oriented towards one demographic and a different demographic picked it up. Um, Do you think it'll go to Adult Swim? Uh, I don't, I think, um, uh, I, I don't think Hasbro will let that intellectual property, they're very worried about bronies adultizing that brand as it is they make a dump truck of money they make more money from the kids than they do the adults do they oh absolutely. how do you know that i i like i said i used to work at hasbro i um but but, but think about it you've they, got they at least 20 somethings with disposable income that's why they're not suing them out of oblivion but trust me tip it this is this is we, are, we know of this existence because for me i'm a furry and these are kind of cousins fandoms cousin fandoms right this we to us this seems like this is everywhere this no matter the the brony fandom mate might have you know let's say arbitrary number might have 50,000 people in the brony fandom right let's just say i could be completely wrong but there is a hundred million children in america not maybe a hundred million but a really the number that there's millions and millions and millions of children potentially buying hasbro products right so no matter unless the brony fandom gets into the millions it's not going to equate to the buying power of the typical parent. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's cool. I think Hasbro has allowed bronies to, to exist because it's good money for them. Better than less money. It's better than no money. But as someone who's gotten a cease and desist from Hasbro before, they are very protective of intellectual property. What did you get a C&D for? I got a C&D for a Duel Masters website. Oh, yeah. Just the word Duel Masters in my title got it shut down. 
um, and they had every right to. So I, um, but it's unique because usually Hasbro is very hands-on, and this time they've kind of been hands-off. Very hands-off. Yeah, I mean, the, they tried to shut down. Remember the GI Joe YouTube videos that they, the, the yeah they, they tried very hard to get rid of those. For example, um, they're usually pretty tight with their intellectual properties. So this is a fascinatingly unique thing that they've pretty much allowed. Like, like I mentioned before, like going into that dealer's den. If I was a if I was a Hasbro lawyer, I would have a seizure on the spot from all that like unlicensed material. But is they, there a legal alternative to a lot of it? They could start targeting individual sellers and stuff. I mean, typically it's easier, it's more cost effective for Hasbro to target the people that are selling crap on eBay and have websites set up and that sort of thing because you can shut them down at the source. I doubt a Hasbro layer is going to walk in and start handing out lawsuits at these cons, but. People with online presences are going to probably have get nailed because it's just more financially easy for them, for the lawyers to do that. A spike hat. That's a cute spike hat. Um, yeah, still an interesting amount of furries here, though. I mean, it's a good, say 5% of the people here are clearly dabble, at least 5% clearly dabble. They make it obvious they dabble in the furry fandom. Um, How big would you guess this is? This con? That's a good question. It's it, and now that I've walked through the whole thing, it's uh, what like a thousand? I don't know if it's a thousand. You don't think it's a thousand? Maybe it does. It it, it could definitely be approaching that. I don't know if I could say it's a thousand, but it's it's definitely you know it's definitely not a four hundred person con. It's definitely above that. Um, I don't. The thing is, I don't know that the the schedule very well, so I don't know if everyone's in their room right now, for example, or if everyone's out. You know, but. A thousand is is, is reasonable, um, definitely. Assuming a quarter of them are upstairs taking a break or doing. Yeah, I mean, I know there's like not a huge panel going on right now, but there's there's at least you know just looking at this area right here, there's a good several hundred people running around, right? So, yeah, you know. What do you think of the staff? I have not interacted with the staff too much, to be honest. The, the, is, that good or, is that good or bad though? Because some people would say no news is good news. Um, as someone who's done staff before, usually they're running around putting out fires. I haven't been able to like see them put out fires. I haven't really had a chance to interact like Toru has with some of the staff. So I'm sure he has opinions that different than mine. They've been, you know, the, the people checking the badges have been checking the badges. And so I haven't seen anything negative happen, but haven't seen any positive happen. I guess the positive thing is the con is running and apparently running smoothly. So no fire alarms. No, no, no fire alarms. All the elevators work, all the escalators work. Um, you know, yeah, you were commenting about those elevators. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the registration staff was reasonably friendly and stuff. It wasn't, didn't have any problems with the reg and went decently fast and all that kind of stuff. I mean, um, usually when something goes right at a con, it's because it, it's a good thing. You know, when a con's running smoothly, it's a good thing. So I'll take it as a, a more positive experience than everything going wrong. I mean, there's no, no grumpy staff, no power-tripping flare people. There's no... Flair being the uh, security of the con, you know, um, yet, anyway. Seems so, so far so good. Yeah. I don't know, I was shyer back then. So the point then was really maybe not as shy. So maybe after this, first time. <laughs> we'll see. We're heading down to the, uh, the furry party. That's, uh, I think I saw some of the cards that someone dropped one of them. So, uh, actually, I'm heading out to dinner, so I probably won't be able to make it. But 
Um, well, you guys have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's in uh, 2096. Oh, nice. Um, there's yeah. quite a bit of overlap between the two fandoms, isn't there? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah there there's a lot of people that are well known bronies here that you know what in the fandom is that they are in the bronies. Okay, yeah. A certain, certain guy hosted something at, uh, at, at FC, and he's like, hi, I'm so-and-so, and then no one clapped, and he's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have fun. I'll catch you guys later. Uh, hi, I'm Anime, and I have a question for Ryan and Cole. I have a situation where what would, ha what would it sound like if Vegeta came to Equestria and called Celestia Sunbutt? If it isn't the princess, and if it isn't the prince of all sins, how are you doing, son? Okay, so first off with who you are, it's starting now, right? Okay, first off with uh, what your name is and what your fursona or pony-sona is. Um, my name is Lauren. Um, in the fur community, I'm known as Latte, and I made up a pony OC basically just for this convention, but her name is Sans Serif. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how is this, how is a brony-con or a pony-con different from a furry-con? Um, they're different because, like at a furry convention, we don't really have a canon that we follow. Everything that furries make up is, or everything that furries is about is self-made, or it's personal characters and it's personal artwork. Um, and the MLP convention is all about MLP, so they're basing everything off of a canon and furries are kind of freeform. So that's the major difference. Um, the age difference is a little skewed towards the younger side, but that, those are the two biggest differences I've seen. Um, I've noticed that they've treated the guests of honor, guests of honor here, very different from Freecons. Can you can you give me what, tell me what you've observed about how they like the guests of honor treatment here, and the like how the fandom treats them in general? Oh gosh, you know, like the the voice actors and everything, they're treated like royalty. They're given sort of the, the whole red carpet treatment, and that's really neat. And it's awesome to see that there's so much you know support and um, you know maybe a little idol worship in there but and, it, and it's awesome because everybody who works on the show obviously works very hard um, and it's different because in furry it's just kind of regular people who make interesting things um, which is also of course to be celebrated but yeah it's it's a uh, it's a very different type of, of uh, idolization I'd say so you have gone to Babscon and come back and had time to think about it how do you think it went overall I think the con was fantastic. I think it was executed uh, the way it needed to, especially for a first-year con, to really set that uh, set that tone and set the mood. You know, of you know, this is why we're here and this is what we have to offer. And they did that extremely well uh, as far as the coordination. Um, you know, a lot of thanks, of course, go out to some of the staffers from uh, Further Confusion and Rainforest because they were there helping out for that first-year con. And uh, Sonia, the chair, um, you know, said herself that in order to make it successful, hire some professionals, and that's what she did. And 
everybody just did their part really well and they confirmed that they'll be back for next year so we're looking forward to looking forward to that as far as uh, that part goes what do you think that the con did that was different than you would have seen at a furry convention There really was no differences. I mean, aside from the professional voice actors, um, you know, the professional talent that came in, of course, there's a lot more, um, you know, emphasis on that. And of course, you know, that's mostly the reason why those people were there, to see that talent. Um, So the difference that I could see would just be the major coordination between the show schedulings and the voice actor schedules. Um, but as far as paneling goes, as far as events, dances, um, just the dealer's den, the artist alley, it, there really was no differences that I saw between that and a Furcon. When I got there, it felt like it was almost like I had entered a parallel universe where instead of original characters, the difference is it's this established IP that sits out there, but What's your perspective on that being a parallel universe? Well, it's, it, it is a different fandom. Um, of course, you know, with furries, you have everybody's character is completely made up, you know, from their imagination. Whereas with a, you know, pony convention, uh, things are all based upon the show. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there is imagination for original characters, original ponies. Um, you know, some had their own original griffin or even dragon sonas there. Which, you know, once you get up to that point, you're, you're almost getting into that, you know, the, the fantasy fur um, kind of things that you see at conventions, griffins and dragons there too. Um, so, I guess, I don't know if I would say less imagination as far as, uh, you know, the characters that you saw there. But definitely, each, each one was tailored to that person's personality. What did you expect to be the same from a furry con that was not the same? I guess uh, one of the things that I expected the same was uh, they do have the dealer's den, um, which, or um, what were they saying, the uh, the dealer's stable, I guess. Um, Usually, you know, generally, you know, from going to numerous uh, furry conventions, that is where everything is sold. Everything from merchandise to handcraft to art to, um, you know, everything, pretty much anything that you could buy. Um, at a convention is going to be in the dealer's den. Um, here it was a little bit different. Uh, there was also a separate room called Artist Alley, which from furry conventions is generally where people just sit and draw art and trade art and do requests and trades and things like that. But here, that Artist Alley actually had those artists that you could buy that art from and get per- get your own OC badges. Um, IDW Comics was in there, and so that was actually kind of a disappointment because I did not know and I didn't even go into the artist alley because I'm just thinking, okay, that's just art. So that's that, that's probably the biggest difference that I saw there. Do you feel that because Hasbro owns the IP, the cons based on that, it limited the creativity, or or did it not limit it, or it, but instead force it to be expressed differently? Because at a furry con, it's everything goes for the most part. Whereas with this world, we don't control the rules we don't control the storyline we we do whatever the writers give us so do you think that as people were 
wearing their costumes or going about and expressing their broniness or whatever you call it. Do you think that it was it came out differently because they don't control the world? I don't really think so because I mean there there is definitely that aspect where you know it is um, the main story and you know things Hasbro wanting things to remain canonical canonical but that's when people's personalities and you know fandom traits really come out and then they go and create their own stuff and you know it, it is based off of the show but it's somebody else's you know creation so Hasbro has no control over that um, same goes for even the costumes you know they're not licensed costumes they are licensed characters but they're not being sold and so that falls into um, like me when I make hoodies you know when I make my pony hoodies that's my own thing um, and so it's what would that be under I mean not parody satire fair use derivative derivative yeah derivative works and things of that nature so I really don't think that things were as limited as Hasbro would like has would like it to be because then people will just go out and do their own thing even though it's based off of that there's still going to be that creative spark in those people to want to do their own things anyway maybe another way to quantify a pony convention like this then is in some ways to me and this is if you agree or not do you feel like it was kind of like a slice of life not like like almost like a preview in some ways of the furry fandom not that it was but it was very specific and very focused whereas at a furry con you would see that you would see the pony presence and then everything else that people were getting into and so it it was i almost felt like i was kind of going bowling with like bumpers on on the edges you know but do you think that's that would be an accurate comparison then is like just kind of like a, a sampling of fandom without going full bore uh, it's it's definitely possible i mean it a lot of people are probably going to hate me for saying this, but I honestly believe that uh, bronies are a subculture of the furry fandom. I mean, it is anthropomorphized in a way. It is, you know, giving human traits and characteristics to these ponies, and that's what anthropomorphism is all about. So in a way, it was almost going to just a strict furry subculture con. Like if you were to go to, say, uh, like a BDSM, um, you know, convention. You know, that, it, you know, it, it's just, it, it seems, I don't know, kind of hard to say, I guess, but it's just, it, it seems like we went to a subculture convention. Right, like furry light? Yeah, exactly. Um, it was, it, I don't know, because it, it was just extremely similar to a furry convention. You had people hanging out in the lobby, you had people doing art, you had the panels, you had, um, you know, just... They, there was the party floor, which is fantastic, um, and I don't know, it, it seemed to me like a, a very, uh, just, yeah, like a beginner's fur con, like if you're thinking about furries, uh, go to a brony con, you know, see how that plays out for you, because, I mean, the furry convention, it may be played the exact same way, but there's so many different other cultures that are brought into it to bring the entire furry fandom as a whole. Plus, you also have a familiar thing. If you go to a BronyCon, whereas at a FurryCon, you've got everything. So you might not have that safety of familiarity. Right. And trying to, say, go to a FurryCon. Yeah, at a BronyCon, you could go. You could walk up to anybody you want to and say, hey, who's the best pony? And you can start a conversation with anybody there. Uh, whereas a FurryCon, you can't. You can't 
just walk up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think of those foot paws? And they'd look at you and they would either be like, uh, okay, or you may look out and say, oh yeah, yeah, foot paws, or whatever. It, you just can't do that at a FurCon to really try and find somebody in your specific needs, but at a BronyCon, you can't. Just walk up to anybody who wants to start a conversation, and 99% of the people are going to be open to, oh, hey, what's up? How's it going? So let's talk about guests of honor then. One of the things that when Haku and I were going around, we noticed and kind of observed that you really have a fixed guest of honor list, whereas the furry fandom might be more flexible. So until the cows come home, I don't know if that's a pun or not, you're always going to want to have Tara Strong and John Delancey and all the known voice actors and actresses as your guests of honor. They There will be no reason to deviate unless they expand the cast. Do you think that that over time will limit the growth of the fandom the, the brony fandom do you think it will limit the cons or will it become a, a one-trick show where you just go for the same thing every year or do you think that 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 won't be the case oh no absolutely um they've and they expanded not only from the voice actors that were there but they brought in you know writers and directors they brought in andy price who does the comic books they brought in gm barlow or borrow borrow gm forget her name but uh, she also does the written literature the books and so they brought in all this talent there's really not much more that they can bring in i mean they could try and bring in you know the janitor that sweeps the microphone room or the we'll call him sweepy the or, you know even the sound techs of the show the guys who uh um actually uh, danny ingram yeah, I know he's been to a couple conventions. He wasn't there. I don't think that uh, he was available, but he does all the original music for the show. Not much more because in the furry fandom, there's always new upcoming people. There's always new artists that get recognized every day for their art and, you know, keep getting better and better. So you have a huge plethora of guests of honors that you can have between handcrafters and, you know, all these people that are within the fandom though not necessarily professional. You won't see at a BronyCon um, with, you know, some rare instances, you won't see this person who makes really, really awesome handcrafted, um, you know, say, um, pony, uh, you know, like little four-inch figures. You're not going to really see them there as a guest of honor. Um, Jesse Nowick and uh, Eileen Monty, they're fan voices. Uh, they were able to do the uh, opening uh, ceremonies, which I heard was really great. Uh, we missed, unfortunately. Um, but you're not necessarily going to see them as guests of honor um, for those things, because uh, they're, they're, they're technically not the professional people for that show. So do you think that the con's going to come up against the wall where they can't continue to grow? Because it seems like, based on what you're saying, the natural growth pattern is going to be to incorporate more fan-based I don't know if stars is the right word, but prominent personalities. But at the same time, you have the official professional designated personalities and they're going to have to walk this line. Do you think that they're going to be able to or that they're, or do you think that that would not be practical in the long run? Now, this is all speculation, of course, but what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think if, if they really wanted to keep trying to grow and make it bigger, they would have to start doing that. They would really have to start incorporating a lot of those um those you know non-professional people um you know to be the guests of honor you know to get um so i know this uh, one girl i met in the dealer's den all she was doing was pressing out buttons you know just left and right buttons 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 and you know it's 
I mean, yeah, they sell. I mean, because they're, you know, characters that you want to buy for. Um, but, you know, not really... I guess it is a handcraft item, uh, like uh, fan artists for music. Um, there's Living Tombstone, there's Omnipony, there's, you know, there's so many more out there, of course, that I can't think of at the, at the moment. Um, and then you have the animators, like, um, of course, I can't remember his name now. Um, yeah, there's animators that have been there, there's... Um, DJs, and of course there's the fan VAs, which there are a lot of those as well. So I think in order to really grow, they would have to start incorporating those into, you know, their lineup of people to see as well. This cons seemed to place a lot of emphasis and I don't know if it's their emphasis, but there was definitely a stronger musicians presence. Like musicians um, got their own check-in uh, for badges. There was, I mean, even the, the dances at night were all based on fan musicians work and stuff like that. Where I haven't seen so much of that at a furry con. Usually at a furry con, you're going to see, well, so-and-so is just going to spin Tiesto and Hardwell and whatever, um, where this is a lot more original creative work and that was something that struck me as really different from a furry con but how, how did you see that though oh yeah i definitely saw that because you know they want the music to be based off of of course the show and uh friday night when i went down there there was a uh, it was a rock and roll band who had their own music set up and they were playing rock songs that they had wrote and you know done themselves for the show uh, one of the songs uh, was about Fluttershy, which is really good, and one of them was called Rainbows Overrated, which is pretty awesome. Do you think that has to do with the fact that the Pony cartoon has a large musical background to it, or do you think it's just a different reason? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of music in the show, which people do remix, and they do um, basically reprocess those or use the vocals against you know different music that they've made. Uh, but there is a lot of personality in the music, um, which is really nice to hear. Do you think that furry cons could stand to have a stronger musical presence? Yeah. <laughs> really, why not? Just because of the difficulty in it? <laughs> no comment, he's just shaking. They can't hear you shake your head on the microphone. <laughs>
let's talk about the venue then. How do you think the venue did? Do you think this was a good venue for the con? Do you think it would work well for a furry con? I personally don't think it would work very well for a furry con. There are a lot of stairs and a lot of escalators. And yeah, that just that's just a nightmare right there. I mean, God, I can't remember how many flights of stairs I went up this con, but a lot. And we're not talking about like the back door go up because you're avoiding the elevator stairs. We're talking about main tra traffic stairs, right? Yeah, I don't think it would have worked very well for a furcon at all, uh, just for the fact that there there were two main levels of the hotel. There was the lobby level and the atrium level, and then there was basically the conference rooms level, which was one down from the from the lobby level. Speaking as a venue itself, it was a fantastic hotel. It was absolutely beautiful. The staff was amazing. Um, it was. It was just incredible. The the main fountain wall on the front entryway, and of course the uh, the big fountain uh, near the back of the atrium, which my room was overlooking, um, was just really nice. The hotel was great. What what parts of this con do you think we could possibly see assimilated into a furry con? What what common things do you think might work their way into our cons? Well, the things that they've already have. I mean, we've already seen. Uh, pony fursuits, um, you know, we've already seen um, pony art in the dealer's den. But, but take it beyond that. Let's talk about like like paneling or maybe getting more professional talent coming in. Those kinds of things versus, you know, obviously the art is there already and the suits. I really don't think fur cons are budgeted for professionals. Um, that, in, in order to add that presence into a fur con, the, nobody's going to want to spend that kind of money. But they were able to do it on the same price scale at this con. As a furry con. It was, what, 45 bucks? For what? For a three-day pass. Well, no, I'm not talking pass-wise. I'm talking, like, to get, well, like you were saying, that professional talent. They're not going to spend $15,000 to get Tyler Strong in there. Just to get a Bruni presence in there. It's not going to happen. Um, so, I mean, as far as that aspect of it goes, I mean, for, like, the guests of honor, you're, you're not going to see that at a furry con. But, you know, as far as panels go, there, there is a My Little Pony panel. Um, or a Brony panel, you'll see one. Um, whereas at a Brony con, of course, all the different panels were talking about ponies, but in all different ways. You know, writing, drawing. Really, if, if you were to try and expand upon that at a furry convention, um, there's just, there's really not much room i mean it would just fall into one of those subculture panels um like um then you have a wolf panel and a rabbit panel and a cat panel and it's and you know all of these different species and then there are artist panels in there um but it's just a main you know how do you draw this you know kind of thing so a lot of that is already at free cons it's just not tailored specific to ponies See, and I would think that a, a natural way, and I think we've seen this some with AC, is they've had Rob Paulson come in, they've had Stan Sakai come in, they had the creators of the Ninja Turtles, I think, at some point come in. They've had, they've had known personalities uh, come in and do that, but I, I'm wondering if we might see more of that as we as we try and emulate the success and pull in those elements into furry cons. You don't you don't think that they're going to try and maybe get more professional voice actors then to come in, or you think we'll see it more like what AC does every few years? They bring in some one person here one person there well it, I, I, it is always possible I mean for, for the furry fandom you know as I said with 
having so many different subcultures brought into one, you're going to want a voice actor that has done a lot of different things with the furry fandom. How do you feel about apples? I like apples. <laughs> I like a braver. Hey, come on. We're talking about apples. So let's shift gears now. Do you think that this convention, obviously it had a very strong furry support presence, which I had never seen before. I mean, you had FC, they almost copied the code of conduct word for word from FC. They added special links to them. They were using Flare. FC and Vamscom are very much have a very good re reciprocal relationship. And it seems like that's going to be just grow and, and become a thing in the future. Even at the party, people were really happy about that. Do you think that um, this kind of goodwill going back and forth. I mean, I think we need it, first of all, but do you think that that will trickle down and where bronies won't be quite so anti-furry? I mean, I know there's not very many, but there are, and they're very loud. Do you think this has contributed to building those bridges of friendship? Yes, absolutely. Is friendship magic? Yes. <laughs> okay, um, can I ask the main six and Spike for this next question? All right. Now, regardless on land or the sky, who do you think would win in a race? Rainbow Dash or Sonic the Hedgehog? Do you have anything else you want to share? Any personal highlights? Something that you just personally loved that you think the audience would want to know about? They were on time. They, I mean, with the exception of the VA panel, but, you know, they're professionals and they're Canadians. So, you know, they, it's going to start late, you know. Not that Canadians have anything to do with it. I'm just being silly. Canada's always late. Blame Canada. No. Um, was the uh, the Sherclops panel um, with, with their uh, new... Yeah, you can find them on YouTube. It's uh, Sherclop. It's S H E R C L C L O P space P O N E S. And um, like I said, they basically they will overdub the show, and they're good length episodes. They're you know ten to twenty minutes long, so they're not short. And it's all satire and parody, so they haven't gotten a C and D from Hasbro yet. Yeah, just wanted to say thanks to everybody who was there. Special thanks uh, for. Uh, the autographs in the short time I got to uh, converse with Peter New, Kathy Westlook, uh, and Tara Strong, 
and uh, just the really nice um, attitudes and personalities also of, uh, you know, Ashley Ball and uh, Andrew Liebman, Nicole Oliver, um, and of course, um, Brian Drummond and his daughter, um, who are all voice actors on the show, and they're just, they were really great, had great personalities, and uh, really, they make me want to go again next year, and hopefully I can see them again next year. I just wanted to thank uh, BabsCon for reaching out to us at FC and inviting us to uh, consider attending, which we ultimately did. It was a, it was an interesting experience to go around, and uh, people were like, "Oh, so what's for what it's worth?" And what do you, you know? I, I wasn't going around with anything pony, obviously. So people were like, "Well, you, you're not you don't quite fit in. So what's going on?" Um, just to say, you don't know, we're we're uh, we're a podcast. We're based in the furry fandom. But we're here to visit your fandom and see what we have in common, and just to see people go, "Oh, that's really cool." And really to have zero negative towards us was was really really great just because i mean especially beforehand um that that person on twitter he knows who he is who was all oh furries are weird yet he has a cg rendering of his original pony character on his twitter page and just to see how everyone was like really you can't talk and be like you know we're all we're all nerds together was it was great it was great and just asking people and seeing them open up and get excited to share their their passion for the show was was great. It was interesting. And His pony is an anthropomorphic horse. That's furry. <laughs> Put two and two together, you'll see it makes five. Do you think that these types of cons will continue once the show ultimately ends one day? I think they will. Of course, it'll it'll lessen over time. Um, you know, it'll it'll probably take a couple years for it too but you know they've said you know the fifth season is confirmed um so i remember somebody had saying in the uh in one of the va panels uh, that the sixth season was confirmed but it came from the fan audience so that may have just been either a rumor or you know just somebody being hopeful um but i think either way i mean we're not even done with season two yet so we have at least another two years yet season two or season four. Yes, we're still going through season four. Um, I know. I'm thinking we're on. We're on episode twenty-two of season four, which is where I got that one. So, uh, yeah, I can still see at least a couple more years um, out of the uh, out of Brony Cons, and uh, oh, we'll see from there. 